0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Oliver Blechner, EVP of Juicy Holdings. Oliver, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Tom. Great to see you guys. Talk to us about those early days were like what was Juicy like early on, and then what was your early mission when kind of joining the team?
1: So, you know, I was in the same role that, that, that I was in now. Um, you know, Juicy had just been formed. They, it had gone through its initial cap rates. I forget what that was, 28 or 30 million. It was some money around. It had, it had a couple of small investments. I mean, it was just a, it was a tiny startup that fit into a very small office space or five, six people. And it actually started when I moved here, we had, a, we had a meeting at Jim's home. The entire company could actually fit around the dining table. And we had sessions where we basically discussed, hey, which states do we want to be in? Where do we, we want to focus? Um, what should the strategy be? And you know, some of the initial kind of reads were, by the way, you make decisions up front, then you kind of go along, and then you adjust. I think that's, that's just the nature of entrepreneurship. It's, it's the nature of decision-making. And you learn more, and you adjust, and stuff happens, and stuff changes. So one of the things that we... I think quickly decided early on was if we were going to try and be retail only in limited license markets because that you know when you when you're running a hedge fund you're always looking at you're looking at the portfolio as a as a as a whole. So let's say you have a portfolio that's pretty concentrated. You have 20 positions. Some are you express them in percent of your of your net asset value. So you have like 1% positions, 5% positions, maybe 10% positions. If you mess up with 10% position, that's not so good. So I'm talking about the benefit of diversification. Um, having a diversified set of retail stores in the limited license locations that made sense to us. Ah, limited license, that's good. Um, diversified, that's good. It probably costs I don't know somewhere around a million, million and a half to to build out the store. So in a world where you have a portfolio. You're going to make some decisions, hopefully, that turn out to be really great. In fact, better than you thought they were going to be. Then you
0: have, hopefully, a lot of stuff kind of in the middle as good as you thought. You'll have a few things that didn't work out the way you thought. Talk to us about those early days were like, what was Jushi like early on? And then what was your early mission when kind of joining the team?
1: So, you know, I was in the same role that, that, that I was in now. Um, you know, Juju had just been formed. They, it had gone through its initial cap raise. I forget what that was, 28 to 30 million. It was some money around. It had, it had a couple of small investments. I mean, it was just a, it was a tiny startup that fit into a very small office space. There were five, six people. And it actually started when I moved here. We had, a, we had a meeting at Jim's home. The entire company could actually fit around the dining table. And we had sessions where we basically discussed, hey, which states do we want to be in? Where do we where do we want to focus? Um, what should the strategy be? And you know, some of the initial kind of reads were. By the way, you make decisions up front, then you kind of go along, and then you adjust. I think that's that's just the nature of entrepreneurship. It's it's the nature of decision making. And you learn more, and you adjust, and stuff happens, and stuff changes. So one of the things that we I think quickly decided early on was if we were going to try and be retail only in limited license markets, because that you know when you're when you're running a hedge fund, you're always looking at you're looking at the portfolio as a as a as a whole. So let's say you have a portfolio that's pretty concentrated, you have 20 positions, some are you express them in percent of your of your net asset value. So you have like one percent positions, five percent positions, maybe ten percent positions. If you mess up the ten percent position, that's not so good. So I'm talking about the benefit of diversification. Um, having a diversified set of retail stores in the limited license locations that made sense to us. Ah, limited license—that's good. Um, Diversified—that's good. It probably costs—I don't know—somewhere around a million, million and a half to to build out the store. So in a world where you have a portfolio. You're gonna make some decisions, hopefully, that turn out to be really great. In fact, better than you thought they were going to be. Then you have hopefully a lot of stuff that's kind of in the middle as good as you thought. And you'll have a few things that
0: didn't work out the way you thought. So kind of continue on the strategy standpoint, like in states like Arizona where there was kind of like a land grab to pick up some of those assets, do those decisions of what your competitors do influence kind of accelerating positions in certain areas? If you want to get, let's say, into a certain region, but your competitors are hopping in, does that make your team feel more comfortable with overspending, or kind of competition doesn't lead to you know irrational emotional decisions. Never comfortable
1: with overspending. That's one thing. I, I don't know. I, not really. I'd say it's the most wonderful thing is when you're the first to do something, and then you see your competitors come in and do the same thing, and maybe at higher prices. That was our experience in Pennsylvania, for example. So we put our our store portfolio together for 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 much less than any of our competitors, than have to buy them. We bought our GP for a much lower price
0: than our competitors did after us. That feels pretty good. What's the most misunderstood thing about Juicy Holdings?
1: I think the thing to keep in mind with us is a lot of what we've done is we're very, very medium and long-term focused. So Virginia, we've been, we've been investing for 2 years. And if you're looking for... kind of If this year you were looking for immediate results, if we didn't put that kind of money into Virginia. Because it's just a medical market that's very very small. We did that because we're looking at January first, twenty twenty four. Um, we're going to be the only operator in an area of two and a half million people. By the way, great median household income. SKUs millennials. SKUs can't afford the product. It, it's kind of so much your ideal kind of customer customer base. We did that in anticipation of that. So I'd say it's it's understanding how much investment we've made into our core businesses, Virginia and Pennsylvania, into the GPs. And that 23 is a huge transformative year for us where um, those investments should, should pay off. That comes in a number of ways. One is when we didn't have any GPs, we weren't selling any of our own products in our stores. We didn't have any of our own products. I think now we're somewhere around 20% of retail sales are from our own branded product, and that number has huge upside, right? I mean, there's there's no reason why why it shouldn't be you know 50% of what we sell in in, in our Pennsylvania and Virginia stores shouldn't be our own product. Maybe even, maybe even more. When you do that, the margins get so much better. Right, Growing it, it should be much better because so we've put that much CapEx into it. Otherwise, if you could just buy it as cheap as you could grow it, you would just buy it. You wouldn't put the CapEx into it. So it's really understanding how much investment we've made in that 23,
0: 24. Those are the big years for us. When you started your journey in the cannabis space, what did you get right? And most importantly, what did you get wrong?
1: Being in the space in the first place, I'd say that's a decision that was right. Okay, Being there, being part of the game, being 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 part of the group of people that gets to build both this company and the industry. I think that was it's a big decision to make for all of us. We have a list of decisions we'd look at it now. Would you do it again? No you wouldn't. Did it make a difference to the company? Nah, not really. So I'd say we've gotten a few big things really right. Our Illinois stores, our Pennsylvania positioning, our Virginia license, our acquisitions. And then yeah, we've you know, we've pooped a few times,
0: relatively small. So So before we do predictions, we ask all of our guests, if you could sum up your experience in a main takeaway or lesson learned to pass on to the next generation, what would it be? Spend more time listening than talking. Oliver, prediction time. With endless variables and challenges in cannabis, are we moving towards a major consolidation in the cannabis industry? If so, where? If not, why?
1: I think it's a question of of, of what period period in time. I think consolidation in, in the industry is unavoidable and, and makes a lot of sense. You know, Where and in which state? All of it.
0: So Oliver, for our listeners, they want to get in touch and they want to buy juicy products. Where can they find you?
1: Well, you have to be a medical patient in Pennsylvania or Vir- Virginia or Ohio at this point. And you're very welcome at our Beyond Hello stores um, in Illinois. We're in the Saget area and the Bloomington Normal area with four fantastic stores called Beyond Hello. You're very welcome. Massachusetts, we're called Nature's Remedy. We're in Millbury and in Kingsborough. Please come. Mention my name. Nobody will know me. No. (laughs) Um, You're very welcome to to come. And in Nevada, um, we're still operating under the New Leaf name. So three stores in the... uh, in the, in the Vegas area, one in Tahoe, and then we've got stores in California under the Beyond name in Palm Springs, Santa Barbara, and then, and then in Groban Beach, 36 stores in, in total and growing. Awesome.
0: Awesome. We'll link those all up in the show notes, uh, especially the one where we should name drop Oliver when you go to the stores. Guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the last few years, can you please take three minutes or less and leave us a quick review on Apple or Spotify? All reviews make a massive difference for us and help other people like you find this podcast. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pot Moms Podcast. I started the Pot Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.